Hey, what's up? This is Jason from Centerpoint Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We're so excited to spend some time with you today. We hope that this message inspires you and makes you continue living life on purpose and for a purpose. Let's jump right into the message. Hey, how are y'all feeling this morning? Y'all feel good? Okay, hold up. Y'all don't know me very well yet. Um, Listen, this is, I think preaching in church is a participation sport, right? Like, whenever I talk, uh, ask you a question, you have my full permission to talk back, yell as long as you can, because church should be enjoyed, not just endured. Come on, can somebody, you feel me in here? So, how y'all doing this morning? Y'all good? All right, that was not good. Okay, here we go. How are y'all feeling this morning? Are y'all good? There we go. That's what I'm talking about. I'm going to get the beast over here. Hold on. Let me. All right. This is what I like to preach from a little bit. It keeps me contained a little bit. Hey, really quick. My name is Clint Lamberth, and uh, some of y'all might not have a clue who I am, uh, but I'm uh, the pastor of a church called Oasis Church, and we are a brand new church. We actually just started meeting in person in January of this year. So we uh, started a church in the middle of a global pandemic, okay? And we actually meet here on Sunday nights. And so really quick, I want to just give you all a little bit of an update of what's going on. But first, I just want to take a second. I want to honor you. And I want to honor Pastor Jason. Uh, Because when we moved up here, we had been dreaming about starting a church for years. And uh, and through seasons of prayer and fasting through years, God made it very clear to us, hey, you're going to go plant a church back where you grew up in Sumner County uh, in Gulletsville, Hendersonville area. And we want, and God told us, we, I want you to do this uh, in, in 2020, right? Like in the fall of 2020. And so we were like, God, anything you say, we're going to do it, right? So we move up here on leap day of 2020, February 29th. Two days later, tornado rips through the city, all right? Which was terrible. It missed us, thankfully, uh, but it did a lot of damage, and we felt, I mean, we we're like, we just moved back here. We didn't know what to do, and then about two weeks after that, what happened? Come on, what happened? We shut the Hummer down, right? But hey, not to worry, we were only supposed to be in our house for two weeks. Y'all remember that? And so here we are, a year and a half, two years later, and, and we're still dealing with this mess, right? And so we moved up here with a dream, to start a church, to start a life-giving church here in this community, and we had all these plans, and uh, when the pandemic started, I was telling someone this the other day, it felt like we were watching our house burn down, and we couldn't do anything about it. And I remember uh, there was many moments where I was so stressed. My wife's here. This is Stephanie. Can you do the stand and wave real quick? Okay, there's my wife, Stephanie. (laughs) We, we left an amazing job at an amazing church in Florida uh, that we never really wanted to leave, to be honest with you. We moved because God called us to. And so we were like, well, let's just try to start this church online, right? And so that's what we did. We started our church online in September of 2020, and we felt like, man, we have to start meeting in person. But the problem is, is that we were going to be meeting at a school, and schools didn't want us in there because of COVID and all that. And and we literally had no place to go. And I remember uh, I, I was calling, you know, how Rivergate, everything's shut down, Rivergate. And I'm thinking, a lot of people think that is a bad thing. As a church planner, you're like, I see a lot of opportunity over there. And so <laughs> I called 
babies are us. I called, uh, you know, some of the other places that shut down over there, and I'm not a realtor. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I'm talking to these realtors, like, hey, would you just let me rent your space only on Sundays? I'll help you renovate some stuff, and all of them told me no. In fact, I called the the Rivergate 8, right next to to Sears over there, and uh, that guy actually told me, like, hey, you shouldn't be making these phone calls. Like, you don't really know what you're doing, and uh, I was like, man, listen, I'm just trying to find a spot for our church to meet. And I went to this church across the street. Um, I forget the name of the pastor, the Hispanic church right across the street, huh? Yes, Socrates, that's right. It was like a super awesome name. And uh, he was amazing. He sat and prayed with me, and, uh, but we weren't able to meet there. And I, we went, I went home that day. This was a, what day was this? Do you remember? I think it was a Sunday. I think it was a Sunday. And uh, I remember coming home, and I was so defeated, thinking, God, I felt like Moses. Moses leaves Egypt with all these people. He didn't have, he didn't have a clue what he's doing. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. And God leads them to the Dead Sea or the, the Red Sea. And, he, and, and Moses is sitting there and the people are like, God, what are you doing right now, right? Like, I can't, we can't go through this. That's what we felt like. And uh, I remember that night, I was so sick of praying. I was so sick of just asking God because nothing was happening. I had tried, tried, tried. And that night we went to bed and I, I didn't even pray about it. And we're, my wife and I are praying before we go to bed. And, and at the end of the prayer, Stephanie says, oh, and God, please give us a place to meet. That was like the extent of our prayer life at this moment, right? And I'm not joking. The next morning, I wake up to a Facebook message from a guy named Jason Baugh, who I've never met before. I don't know who this dude is. And he said, hey, uh, I, I woke up in the middle of the night. I'm on Facebook, and your ad for your church rolls across my screen. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit told me, if you want me to bless Centerpoint Church, I want you to offer their space up to you, to, to Oasis Church, for free to use anytime they need it. And so he messaged me this and says, would you be interested in that? And I looked, I'm crying. I wake up in the morning, I'm crying, and I'm like, babe, this is wild. And so we got with Jason that day. I mean, we came, I came, stormed in this door right here and uh, showed up, and Jason offered this space to us. And I'll just be honest with you. We're not, I'm not even in the message yet. We'll get there. Um, I'll be honest with you. Planting a church during a pandemic is the hardest thing I could even think of. It's very hard. Um, it's discouraging. You, it, the whole thing, it felt like it was a lesson in just dealing with disappointment because that's what it's been. The whole time, it's like, oh, we can do, oh, no, we can't do that. Or, oh, man, someone in our church got sick, and now we all got to stay home. And then, oh, we got this, oh, no, that's not happening anymore. And then everything just is disappointment after disappointment. And then when this phone, when the, this Facebook message was sent, it changed our church. And y'all don't even know how much of a blessing this is. And there are still days where it's really hard. Ministry's hard. You better be praying for Jason every day. You better be praying for his family every day. Ministry is hard. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of stress. And things are going on. But every time I step foot in this building, I'm over here crying during worship today because whenever our church comes in here, I tell our people almost every week, they're so sick of hearing this, okay? But I don't care. Listen, when, when we set foot in this place, we're stepping foot inside of a miracle. So no matter what, what you bring into this week when you come to church and, and things aren't going well and you need a miracle, when you're in this place, you are sitting in a miracle. For our church, this place is a miracle. This is what the people of Israel must have felt like when they were walking through the Red Sea, is looking in the walls of water on either side and they're thinking, gosh, this is amazing. 
That's what I feel like when I come here because of your generosity. I, I cannot thank you enough for this. I, 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 we can never repay you. We let, I mean, y'all use a lot of our gear, and that is such a small gesture of like, thank you, you know, for letting us do this, our little bitty church. But I'm telling you, God is changing people's lives in Oasis Church, and I forget who was praying up here earlier. You don't have a little bitty part of that. You have a huge part in that because people are coming to our church, and they're learning that they can find freedom for the first time. There's people on our team that, man, when they joined our team, they stopped, you know, smoking weed, all right? I'm just being honest with you. When they joined our team, they stopped doing some things they shouldn't have been doing, right? But God's changing them. And, it's, and, and you guys play such a huge part in that. So I want you to give yourselves a, the biggest round of applause of all time because y'all are amazing. Thank you. We could not do ministry without you. And here's the deal. I don't believe that churches should fight over stuff. We need to lay down our logos, lay down our egos, and go win this community for the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. Y'all give God some praise in here. There we go. Woo, I'm ready to preach now. All right. Here we go. Today's message, how many of y'all like to take notes in church? Come on. Not enough hands are up. Okay. The Bible, the Bible says that if you take notes in church, you'll go to heaven. All right, so I just want y'all to know, take notes. And if you're taking notes, I had another title for this message. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I don't want to offend anybody. But uh, basically it says this, is that your plan B is trash. It's not good. Okay, all of us have a plan A, all of us have a backup plan. We have our safety net. Well, guess what? Your plan B is trash. It's no good. So if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down, okay? I want you to write plan B on your notes. I want you to put a big old fat X through it. Because your plan B is nothing compared to what God's plan A for your life is. So we're going to talk about that today. But before we get started, I want you all to get to know me a little bit maybe get a little peek into Stephanie and I's relationship, is uh, I, I'm, I like to think that I'm a pretty decisive person, all right? Uh, I can make a decision to move across the country and start a church in about five seconds, all right? It won't take me any time. I'm like, okay, life-altering decision. I'll make it like that. But if you put me in the deodorant aisle at Target or at Walmart, we, we like Walmart, all right? People hate on Walmart. I like Walmart. If you put me in the deodorant aisle at Walmart, I will sit there. How long? I'm just like, do I want fast acting or do I want long lasting? Like, I don't know. I don't know what to pick, right? Why? Because when you have too many options, it paralyzes you. All right, I'm going to prove this to you. Raise your hand, and I want you to keep your hands up. Raise your hand if you have Netflix in here. All right, if you didn't cancel it, okay? All right, keep your hands up. Raise your, keep your hands up or raise your hand if you have another streaming service in addition to Netflix. Okay, keep your hands up. If you also have cable at your house, okay, a few hands went down, all right, okay, put your hands down. How many of you, this, this will describe your Sunday afternoon, you will get home and you'll sit in front of Netflix and all of a sudden you're like, man, I want to watch something funny. I want to watch something with action. I want to watch something scary. And you'll sit there and you'll scroll and you'll scroll and you'll scroll and you'll keep scrolling. And you'll keep, the next thing you know, it's been 45 minutes and you haven't started anything. Can, can anybody relate to this? Come on. Why? Because too many options 
paralyzes you, right? When you have too many options, you don't know what to pick. When I grew up, man, I'm not, I'm only 32 years old, but we still lived in like the cable TV days where you had to watch the TV guide channel to see what was coming on. And you actually had to be home when the show came on or you didn't watch the show. You know what I'm saying? Our kids have, we, we actually spent a couple weeks in a condo uh, over Thanksgiving because our house was getting repaired and uh, we, we didn't have DVR in there and we just had normal basic cable. And uh, our kids were wanting to watch something and we turned it on and it was halfway through the show. And they're like, hey, can you start it over? I'm like, this isn't how this TV works, right? Like you have to be here. And so when you have too many options though, it's paralyzing to you. Another thing is I'm going to prove to you that your plan A is actually the best plan. Because a lot of times we think our plan B, hey, we'll just fall back on this uh, just to make sure I have a little safety net. But how many of y'all uh, have ever blown a tire before, right? You've, you've uh, had to change a tire. If you're the student ministry, this happened to you last week, I hear, okay? <laughs> how many of you would rather have your plan A tire over your plan B tire, which is the little bicycle tire, your spare tire? Come on, how many of you would rather have your plan A tire, right? Because plan B tire doesn't get you where you want to go. It doesn't get you there faster. It, you feel like your car's about to spin out of control at any moment, right? Like you, you would always rather have your plan A tire than your plan B tire. Well, I think that there's a lot of us in here that we might know what God's plan A for our life is. And we might be even kind of walking in our plan A that, that, that God has for us. But too many of us are, have a plan B. We have a plan B that we're like, hey, just in case this doesn't work out, just in case I need this later, just in case uh, this isn't going so well, my plan A, I got something to fall back on. Well, I think there's a lot of people in here missing out on the best that God has to give you because you're so concerned with your plan B that you're completely missing your plan A. So today, we're going to look at a story. And listen, Jason, Pastor Jason didn't tell me to say any of this, all right? So if you're all thinking, I bet he got Clint to do all this dirty work for him. No, he did not, I promise you. We talked very little about this. I was just like, all right, what are you speaking on the week before and the week after so I don't repeat anything? And that was it. He, he's probably not even watching. That dude's on vacation, right? But hey, this is going to challenge you. I'm going to tell you, if you don't want your toes to get stepped on in this service, go ahead and put them up under your chair, all right? Because I think we're, we might step on some toes today. But hey, I, I love you. I want what's best for you. And what's best for you is God's best for you. So we're going to look at a story about a guy. His name was Elisha. I want you to say Elisha. Elisha. All right, Elisha, okay? Now we're going to be talking about Elijah and Elisha today, okay? So here we go. Y'all ready? Y'all hanging with me? Here we go. We're going to be in, where, where are we at? First Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 19. I'm using the New Living Translation if you have a digital Bible, you can find me there. All right. So it says this. It says, so Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. All right. Whoever's pregnant here, name your kid that. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, he, and so he went and found Elisha plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there. He ran after Elijah and said to him, first, let me go kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I'll go with you. Okay. Elijah replied, 
go on back, but think about what I've done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. Come on, somebody. Talk about the carnivore thing, right? Like, that's a beast feast right here. All right. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. And then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Now, uh, I'm gonna sit, we're going to break this little passage down a little bit, and I'm just going to share with you what it takes for you to go all in with God's plan A in your life. All right, we're going to look at what, what's it going to take to go all in with God's plan A in your life. So here's what it says at the beginning of this. So Elijah, he went and found Elisha. Elijah had been God's prophet. He had been the voice of God. This happened pretty much right after uh, Elijah called fire down on Mount Carmel and roasted up the, the altar. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So this is kind of after that. And Elijah's last instructions from God were to go do one thing, but also he was to go find Elisha and uh, basically as his predecessor, right, as his next person. So he goes, he finds Elisha, and he's plowing a field. Now it says there were 12 teams of oxen in that field, and Elisha was plowing the 12th with him. All right, so he was, Elisha was getting his hands dirty too. And so what does this tell us? This tells us that Elisha wasn't just an ordinary dude, okay? Elisha was actually a very wealthy person. All right, he came from a wealthy family. He had 12 teams of oxen. Not just any person had that, right? Like, that dude basically had 12 tractors operating his farm, okay? My in-laws have a farm. They got one tractor, okay? But Elisha, he's operating with 12. This dude has a lot of land. He probably has a lot of income. He probably has a lot of crops to harvest. This dude has a lot to do, and this dude is rolling in the dough. All right, I just want to tell you, he's rich, He's got a lot of money. He's very wealthy. People in this town probably know who Elisha is. And so he, here he is. I mean, this is his job. This is his life. He sits and he plows this field and he goes and sells it at the market and the dude makes some money. He actually has enough money to hire people to operate the other 11 teams. Like that's not common back then. And it says that he was plowing the 12th team. You see, like, he, he's out here doing his thing, but he's not afraid to get to work. And let me just tell you as a side note, if you want to follow Jesus and go all in with God's plan A for your life, it's going to require some work. It's going to require you to get your hands dirty. Hop on that last team of oxen and get to work and sweat a little bit. That's what it's going to take. Let's keep going. It says this. So he's plowing his field, he's doing his thing, and all of a sudden he sees Elijah. Most likely, or he definitely, he, he recognized who Elijah was. Elijah was God's mouthpiece. Elijah had done amazing things for God, and he had heard of him before. And so Elijah went over to him, and he threw his cloak. Y'all say cloak. All right, he threw his cloak across his shoulder and then walked away. Now, some of you might read that, and you might go, that's weird. Like, why would he take his jacket off and then give his jacket to a, like, probably, he probably wasn't cold. He's out there working outside, right? Well, this was actually a symbolic gesture. And so I want to try to explain it to you the best I can. But essentially, uh, what Elijah was doing is when he took his cloak off and he put it on to Elisha, he was not only putting a cloak on Elisha's shoulders, he was putting the call of God on Elisha's shoulders. That cloak, it represented the call of God on your life. And so Elijah was taking off that cloak, and he was putting it on to somebody else, telling Elisha very clearly, Elisha would understand this, that, listen, 
I, God's calling is coming off of my life. My life is coming to an end. And I'm putting this, God is putting this on your shoulders. In that moment, Elisha's life changed forever. It was his moment. It was his burning bush moment. It was his moment where it was undeniable what God was calling him to do. And God was calling him to follow God and to do everything that God wanted him to do. And so that happens. And he, he sits there and goes, man, me? Like, I just sit and plow fields, man. Like, are you sure that, that you picked the right person? And here's what I want to challenge you with first today is this. If we aren't careful... We can completely miss God things in the midst of doing good things. We can completely miss God things in the midst of doing good things. What Elisha was doing in this moment was a good thing, and he was actually good at it. He made a lot of money. He made a living. Some of you are great at things. Some of you are amazing business leaders. Some of you are phenomenal mothers. Some of you are creative. Some of you are musicians. You might be good at a lot of things. But if we're not careful, we can completely miss the God thing in the midst of doing the good thing. Some of us, man, we're like, man, I wish God would just do some more with my life. Well, open your eyes. Because in my Bible, God operates in the mundane, the average, when you're just going about your life. Whenever he called Moses, what was Moses doing? Being a shepherd. You know how boring that is and terrible that is? But that's where God chose to meet him. What was Elisha doing when God called him? Looking at two oxes' butts right in front of him, right? Like he was plowing a field, dealing with their nastiness and working, and it was hard. But some of us just need to open our eyes. We're, we, we want God to just do something great and grand, but God is just looking for you to be faithful in what you're doing and to not miss what he's doing in the midst of your mundane, your average, your everyday life. Don't miss God things in the midst of doing your good thing. Don't miss God things in the midst of doing your good thing. We need to look to see what God is trying to do. Because when we look for that, God can give us a new plan A. At this moment, he gave Elisha a new plan A. He said, Elisha, I know you think that you're a farmer. I know you think that you do this. I know you think you're wealthy and doing all this. But guess what? I'm giving you a new plan A. Let's keep going. So it says this. Then Elisha left the oxen standing there, and he ran after Elisha. Now, we can scoot over this, and we can see, like, oh, man, Elisha was all in. He ran after Elijah. But what did he do before he ran after Elisha? What's it say? Come on. Y'all can talk. He left what? The oxen. He left the oxen standing there. So Elisha, we, man, he's an awesome dude, and he did a lot of crazy stuff. We're going to talk about that in a second. But he was just like you and me. God called him to do this thing. But he had a plan B. He left his oxen standing there. Uh, he, he said, hey, Elijah, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hey, make sure these two things don't run away. I'll be right back, right? And he runs over, he's talking to Elijah. But he left his plan B. He left his safety net. He left the, his security. He left his identity right there. He left all these things just in case he misunderstood what God was doing maybe, just in case this thing didn't work out. He left his oxen standing there. Let's keep going. And then he gets to Elijah and he says, hey, first, okay, I do, I want to go, I want to go, but first, let me go kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I'll go with you, right? 
Like, hey, uh, let me do this on my terms. God might be calling some people in here to do something, but you have a, but first, in your life. God's calling you to be generous. God's calling you to step out in faith in your finances. But, but, but first, God, I'm all, I'll do that, I'm all in. But hey, but first, let me get out of debt. Hey, but first, let me just make sure that we're taken care of over here a little bit, and then I'll be generous with what's left over. Oh, God, I know he's calling me to serve at VBS, but first, let me just make sure that my kids' baseball practice isn't going to get in the way. But first, let me just make sure that uh, I, can, I can get off work, or I, 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 but first, let me make sure and see if I don't need to mow, Right? Oh, God, I, I would love to go do that. Hey, but first, I'm going to go take care of my plan B. I'm going to go take care and make sure these things are good before I go. Listen, God loves, God's not saying that, that, that the, the going and saying bye to your mom's a bad thing. But Elijah, Elijah has a, a weird response, a little bit of a harsh response. He says, first, let me go kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I'll go with you. And Elijah replied, like, okay, go back, but think about what I've done to you. Like, sure, you can. You can wait till you get out of debt to be more generous. You can wait till baseball season's over before you get involved here at church. You can do all that stuff, but really think about that. What are you willing to give up to go all in? What are you willing to let go of? to go all in, because we're going to talk about this in a second. It's going to cost you something. It's not free. Going all in with God is not, it's going to cost you something. There is no but first, let me do this before I'm ready. That's not how God works, because he's going to find somebody that is available. He's going to find somebody that is ready. Why not let it be you? Think about what God's asking God is asking you to give everything to him. He's asking you to just go all in. Just trust me. Just go all in. Don't worry about that. And something happened. Something happened in Elijah, in Elisha whenever this went on. I love this next part. It says this. So Elisha returned to his oxen. So he left them standing there, and then Elijah challenged him. And he said, you, you can go back, but think about what I just did for you. Just think about what God's doing right now. Elisha went back, and he slaughtered his oxen. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. This was a defining moment in Elisha's life. This was a defining moment for him. After this moment, Nothing in his life would be the same. Everything would change. I want to let you know that today you can have a defining moment. Today you can have a defining moment. But are you willing to do what Elisha did? Because if we want to follow God, if we want to go all in with God, it's time to kill the cows and burn the plows. I'm serious. It's time to kill the cows and burn the plows. It's time to take away the plan B option. Too many options paralyzes us. We talked about this. But if you want to go all in, if you want to be used by God in a mighty way, if you want this church to be used by God in a mighty way, it's going to take a group of people who are going to say, I'm going to give up my plan B for God's plan A. That's what it's going to cost you. 
It's time for us to kill the cows and burn the plows. There's an awesome story. A guy named, uh, 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 what is it, Herman Cortez. I probably said that wrong if you're a history teacher. Jason's a history guy. Ooh, sorry, okay. Don't kill me, Jason. Okay. But he had traveled to the Americas in the 1500s, a long time ago, and he was to uh, overtake the Aztecs. And the Aztecs, man, honestly, they were some bad dudes. They were very barbaric. I mean, they were brutal. They were very violent. And uh, at, uh, Cortez, he, he rolls up on shore. He has ships full of men, multiple ships full of men. And his job is to go uh, take over the Aztecs and defeat them so that they can overtake Mexico and do all this stuff, okay? But his men get off the ships. They roll up into town, and they see the Aztecs. And they get a little afraid. They get a little intimidated because these dudes are bad, bad dudes. They will take you out, and they don't play. You know, you know people that just have that crazy look in their eyes? You know what I'm talking about? They're a little scary. These were an army full of these people. And so Cortez looked around, and he saw that, man, th these people, my, my men are getting afraid. And those ships back there, our plan B, our safety net, every day they look a lot more appealing because what, what we're doing right now is really hard. What we're doing right now is kind of scary. And man, it feels good to just get back to that ship and go back uh, to, to Spain where we came from. So Cortez, he did the unthinkable thing. He looked at his men and he said, burn the ships. And so his men went back to the ships and they burned them. Why? Because if we have a plan B, if we have an escape if we have a safety net, then we'll most likely go back to it. But when we can burn the ships, when we can kill the cows and burn the plows, whew, it motivates us. There is no plan B. God, I'm fully trusting you. If this doesn't work, it's on you. It's not on me. God, I'm giving everything to this. I I'm going to invest all my time into this. I'm going to invest my money into this. I'm going to invest everything with who I am into this. And God, I just, there's, there's no turning back. There is no plan B. And when we can get to that point in our lives, God can do the miraculous. How many of y'all want God to do the miraculous here at Centerpoint? I want to see it. But it's going to take, come on, it's going to take people. It's going to take some people to burn the ships. It's going to take some people to kill the cows and burn the plows. There should not be a plan B. You don't get to fall back on anything when you go all in with God because you fall into him. Man, you go to the solid rock, right? You go to the, 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 the one that can do anything, the miracle worker, the way maker. That's who we're going all in on. We got to get rid of the plan B if we're going to go all in on God's plan A. So what is it going to cost you? What is it going to cost you to go all in for God? What do you have to give up? What did Elisha have to give up? Well, I'm so glad you asked all those questions because I'm going to answer them right now. If you're taking notes, write this down. Here's what you're going to have to give up if you want to go all in for God. The first one is this. They all start with I because that's what pastors do. Okay, here we go. Identity. If you want to go all in for God, it's going to cost you your identity. It costs Elisha his identity Elisha, what was he before this moment? A farmer. He was plowing the fields. He was sitting behind the oxen. Man, he wasn't just plowing the fields. That dude was in charge of the field. Man, he had 11 other teams. 
That was who he was. He was sitting out in that field every day going, man, this is just who I am. This is what I do. I'm actually pretty good at it, right? And I bet there was something in the back of his mind that he always wondered like, man, I, I, I bet there's just more to my life. I bet, man, there's just something that God wants to do in my life. I just bet there's something more, but this is who I am, and, and it feels weird. It feels unsafe to give this up. It feels a little too risky to give up this thing about who I am. Well, let me tell you what's risky is not taking a risk. That's risky. But if you want to go all in with God, it's going to cost you your identity. What you do is not who you are. I'm going to say that one more time because, I listen, y'all need to hear it. What you do, men... This is true for you. What you do is not who you are. I, uh, me being a pastor does not define who I am. That just happens to be what I do. What you do is not who you are. And the sooner you can understand that, the sooner you can go all in with God's plan A in your life. You have to give up your identity. I was talking with Thomas earlier. And uh, I want to honor Thomas. Because Thomas just took a step of faith. I don't know if y'all know the whole story. I'm not, he can share everything if he wants to. But he left a career, left a, a, a security to be all in with God in ministry, to be all in here. And I'm telling you, that's what God uses right here. And God will take care of all the other stuff. He'll tie up all the loose ends. He'll make sure. But I love that y'all have a great example of what it looks like to go all in to go, God, I am not what I did, okay? I'm not what I do. Yeah, go give it up, because that's awesome. But God, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna give up who I am. You know what I was before I, I started doing this? A worship pastor. I sang pretty good at it, and, and play guitar, and people ask me all the time, don't you miss it? No, I love it. I still love it, but I don't miss it, because I don't wanna miss out. Man, when we start missing stuff, and we start, man, I miss those days where we used to do this at this church, and man, I miss those. Well, guess what? That's not who you are anymore. Man, if you get caught up in just missing the good old days, you're going to miss out on what God's doing right now. Give up your identity. You know what? This church's identity has changed quite a bit. If you've been here for a while, you can say a little amen right there, right? But <laughs> guess what? This church's identity has got to change a little bit, and it's got to continue to change. Like, in five years, this church can't look the same as it does right now. In 10 years, it's got to look different than that. It's got to change. But you know what? Man, you go all in with Jesus, and that thing stays the constant. Your message stays the same. What, who cares what method you use? Who cares what songs you sing? Honestly, we're going all in with God. And that's the identity we want. We want to be defined how God defines us, not by how we define ourselves. you got to give up your identity. It says this in Galatians. Is, uh, in chapter 3, it says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. That sounds an awful lot like a cloak, right? When God gives you something, you, you put it on. And guess what? You're now identified by that. It's like wearing a team jersey. It's like putting on a Titans uniform. Come on, this is our year, everybody. I'm so excited about it. But you put on this thing. It's like putting on new clothes. Who you were doesn't matter anymore because you're different now right? There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free or male or female. There's no longer farmer Elisha and, and not, no, no, no. We're all defined by something else for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Your identity has to change. 
if you want to go, go all in with God. The second thing is this. Here we go. Y'all ready for this? Income. Ooh, we, we got to talk about money. All right? Not only will it cost you your identity, but it's literally going to cost you. Literally. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you resources. It's going to cost this church some money to go all in. Elisha had a lot of money. That joker was plowing in fields, making that paper. You know what I'm saying? He was, I mean, that joker was rich. But guess what? When he left, he was giving all that up. Now listen, I have no clue what people here give or whatever. I don't need to know. I don't care. This is not my church. But some of us have a hard time giving what belongs to God. Your tithe. The Bible teaches very clearly about the tithe. Listen, really none of it's yours. God's given all that to you just for the record. But the first 10% is for sure not yours. That first 10% is his. And every time you get paid, you get to pass or fail a test. Am I going to be faithful? Am I going to trust God and say, God, this 10% is yours? Well, Clint, I can't afford 10%. You can't afford not to. And guess what? It's not about, it's not about Center Point Church. God is going to take care of his church. I, Jason, don't kill me. Center Point doesn't need your money. God is taking care of his church. He's going to continue to take care of his church. He's been doing it for a couple thousand years, and he's pretty good at it, okay? But you need, you need to tithe. It's not about what it does for Center Point Church. It's about what it does in you. And if we can't even get the 10% thing right, how can we give it all? Like, God's calling you to do your, your plan A, but you're afraid of what's going to cost you. God, I can't, do, I can't give what you just told me to give. That's crazy. Well, guess what? If you don't give it, you can't receive it back either. You have no idea what God's going to do, what God's going to place in your hands, what God's going to put in your life. And I'm not talking about he's going to make you rich or anything, but he's going to take care of you. He will bless you. That is a fact. That's taught in the Bible from cover to cover. But it's going to cost you. I mean, church, if you want to get to the next level here at Centerpoint, it's going to cost you. Man, what a better way to show God that you're all in than to prove it with your income. The Bible says this, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever your treasure is, wherever your money is, we can follow the money trail and get a picture of where your heart is. Listen, some of us need to be praying about this one. And pray, like, God, what, what can I do for the kingdom? Some of you in here are blessed. Some of you in here, man, God's given you the gift of giving. That's why every time you see a person in need, that you're like, man, I wish I could do something about it. Well, God's probably given you the spiritual gift of giving, and it might be time to activate that. Not, yes, here. But man, what about that, that kid that, that you see a lot of potential in? You know, and I'm, I'm gonna share this and I'm not trying to toot my own horn at all. And I didn't even plan to share this. Is this, this isn't a problem for me, honestly. I, I didn't grow up with a lot of money, so, you know, I, I don't hold on to it super tightly. I got my stuff, all right? I got my, my, my pain points and the things I struggle with. This isn't one of them. And you know, I had a, uh, 
the dream, my dream guitar. And I had sold another guitar to buy this guitar. It was a 1953 Gibson acoustic guitar. Really liked that thing. It was awesome. Sounded amazing. Played it all the time. It was like one of my children. I mean, I, every time I took the strings off, I'm like hydrating the fretboard. I'm polishing it. You know, put it. I mean, I babied this thing. Invest a lot of money into it. And before God even called us to do this, I had no idea we'd be starting a church at this point. Um, I saw this kid. I've been investing time into this kid. He, he has amazing potential as a worship pastor. And uh, I remember God going one day, like, hey, I want you to give him your guitar. Well, God, are you sure? He's <laughs> like, because uh, this is really who I am. Like, I'm a worship leader, right? Like, I need a guitar to lead worship because uh, I look weird without one while I'm leading worship. And God, this provides a lot of money for us. Not a lot. That sounded weird. But, you know, it provides income for us. And God said, he laughed. Clint, that's not your guitar anyway. That's mine. I remember one night after an event, I called him into this room. I said, hey, Caleb, someone did this for me when I was first starting out, and God has an anointing on your life. And I want to invest into that anointing. And God's been very clear. He wants me to give you this guitar. And I gave it to him. He was super happy. And just this last week, this kid... And this isn't because of me. I'm not saying that. But this kid was leading worship for about two, 3,000 students at a student conference. We never know what's on the other side of our yes. When we're able to be generous, like when your pastor tells this crazy church that's starting in the middle of a pandemic, hey, you can have our building for free. God is going to bless this church because of that. And you, your church will get to experience that blessing because the Bible teaches what you plant in the ground, you're gonna harvest later. So you planted some generosity into our church and you will reap a blessing. I'm telling you, it will happen. It's already began to happen. But God wants to do that with you personally. Man, there's a single mom somewhere in this church, in this community. She's been praying for a new car. She's been praying for diapers. She's been praying for formula. And there's people in this room that can meet that need outside of this church. Go buy a $1,000 car for this lady, right? Go to Target and buy some daggum diapers. Go all in. That's God's plan A. That's God's plan A for all of our lives. And if you have the capacity, do it. Be that miracle. You know what's funny is Elisha, he had prayed before Elijah got taken up into heaven. Now, this isn't my notes either. I'm just going off now. I'm sorry. The, the train is off the rails. Elijah said, what, what can I pray for you before I leave? And Elisha says, I want a double portion of the anointing that you have. And God answered that prayer. After Elisha said, man, I'm going all in. Not only did God see it through, but he gave him a double portion of Elijah's anointing. Did you know Elisha did twice on the nose, twice as many miracles that Elijah did. And that last miracle happened after he died. 
Elijah or Elisha was buried in a tomb, and he he had, I mean, his it was just his bones. And there was a storm coming. This is a crazy story. And they threw, they had a dead guy that they were putting in the tomb before the storm got really bad. And they throw this dead guy in the tomb, and it touches Elisha's bones, and that man came back to life. Why? Because when you go all in for God, and He starts to anoint and He starts to bless your life, it will far outlive you. There's nothing better to invest in than God's kingdom. There's nothing better than to invest in than God's kingdom because it's going to outlive you. It's going to outlive your bank account. It's going to outlive your children and their children. That's why this is important. It's not just up to you and the people in this room. The generations after you need you to go all in. They, have, they need you. Did you know there's 93,000 people in Sumner County alone? that don't go to church anywhere, we're in the Bible Belt. There's 93,000 people around here that need you to go all in with Jesus. Oh, I gotta stop. Last thing, your influence. Ben, you can come up. Y'all, we're about to sing again. Some of you have a lot of influence. Your business leaders in this community you have influence in your families. You have influence with your friends. Everybody in here has some sort of influence. God's asking you to give that up so he can influence you. And when you go all in with God's plan A, you're going to give up your identity. You're going to give up your income. You're going to give up your influence. But watch what God does next. He will always be on the other side of your obedience. And it's just what's going to cost you. Not only did it cost Elisha these three things, but there's 12 men that Jesus spent all his time with. It cost them these same three things. Each one of the disciples had to lay down their identity. I'm not a fisherman anymore. I'm a fisher of men right now. It costed Moses. Moses was just a little shepherd. He sees a burning bush, and guess what? He left his identity. He left his income. He left his influence to go all in with God. Paul. On the road to Damascus, he had all the money he could want. He had all the influence he could want. That dude had anything he could possibly, that dude was a a Jew that uh, kept all the law. I mean, there was no one better than Paul. And on that road to Damascus, Paul had to give up his identity. He had to give up his income. He had to give up his influence. And you're going to have to do the same thing. Come on, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes in this place. I believe that God's speaking to some people in this room right now. I can feel the spirit in here. And first, I want to talk to everybody in here, all right? Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And if you, if God is speaking to you right now and say, and, and you just want to say, hey, Clint, God is asking me to do something, to go all in, but I'm a little afraid to do it. Come on, I want you to just raise your hand in this place. Come on, he's asking you to go all in in a little, bit, a little area of your life, but you might be a little hesitant to do it. Come on, raise your hand. Don't be shy. Jesus, I pray you give boldness right now. I pray that you would light a fire right now. I pray that, that we would legit kill the cows, burn the plows right now. It's time for us to go all in together to follow you. God, I pray that you would give some boldness and wisdom in this place. Maybe you're in here and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. 
guess what? That's step one. That's how you really go all in with God, is to say, God, I'm giving you my entire life. Uh, everything. You can, have all, you can have it all. I'm giving you everything. And maybe as I've been talking today, there's been a feeling in you that's like, man, I just, I really need to do this. I, I need to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, we're going to do that right now, all right? On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand, and I want you to do it proud, because guess what? I don't know who your enemy is, but they are not in this room. We're all on the same team in here. We're all in, in the same family. All right, if you want to give your life to Jesus today, if you want to go all in, invite him into your life, come on, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three, come on. There we go. Come on, I'm going to invite us all to stand real quick. Yeah, I'll stand up. If that was you and you raise your hand, I want you to just to say this prayer. Listen, some people have a problem with the sinner's prayer. It's not about the words. It's about your heart. It's about articulating to God what you want him to do in your life right now. If that's you, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, in the stillness and the silence of this moment, say this in your heart. Say, dear God, I need you. Come into my life. I'm going all in with you. God, thank you for dying on the cross, paying for my sins. Thank you for raising from the grave. And in the best way I know how, I'm gonna live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. If God spoke to you in any way during the course of this message, we want to hear about it. Reach out to us at centerpointtn.com. You can partner with us. You can send us a message. We'd love to connect with you.